This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. If you can, uh, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Um, we're, we're still going over the teachings of Jesus, and this is, concludes, I think, at the end of August. But I want to tell you, this is probably one of the most controversial scriptures in all the Bible. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how do you tell people about Endurance Church. And, and what we are is we are a, a Bible teaching church. We don't, we don't promote it. That's kind of the challenge of our church. So we kind of promote ourselves as, I guess, more so like a seeker-friendly church, even though we, we love all seekers. Um, but what we do is we teach the scriptures. And my hope is for spiritual formation. For me, as, I, as I'm in the bathroom, I look at myself in the mirror, I always say, are you falling in love with Jesus? Because if you're not falling in love with Jesus, I'm failing as a pastor. My, my job is really not to make a, a mega church. I wish I, who knows if it's going to be a mega church or a mini mega church. I, I don't know what it's going to be. But my responsibility is for you to have this desire to turn to Jesus Christ. If you're opening your Bible or someone in your family started open the Bible or you're starting to have prayer you never did before or you're starting to see God's will like you never had before, me as a pastor, I'm doing my job. But I'm not doing my job if I'm like, okay, how many people are here this Sunday? Okay, we have, yeah, we got more. Even though those things feel good, but the goal isn't numbers. It's not quantity. It's quality. Because one of you in here may be the next Billy Graham. One of you in here may be the next Ravi Zacharias, Beth Moore, Paula White. I don't, one of you might be, who knows, the next president. It doesn't matter. But if you have God deeply in your soul, when moments of crisis come, you'll do what most people don't do. You'll turn to Jesus. And that's what we're hoping you do. Turn to Jesus. He's the one who has all the answers. If you've opened your Bible to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, I got a quote by one of my favorite heroes of all time. Now, don't make fun of this man. I'm just trying to say I love him, okay? (laughs) I love him, okay? Um, It's from Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he has this quote about communication that I really love. It says, I just use my muscles as a conversation piece, like someone walking a cheetah down 42nd Street. It even rhymed a little bit there, Arnold. But what he's trying to say is he communicates in a variety of ways. And he, Arnold Schwarzenegger, says, I communicate with my body. But you have to understand God has communicated to you. And a lot of us have a problem. Say, how do I know if I ever heard of God? Or if I ever heard his voice, I mean. I, I, I don't know what his voice sounds like. It, it worries me that I don't, when God speaks, I'm not sure if I'm hearing him or if he ever talks at all. Well, This sermon today is specifically designed to show you when God spoke to you. I don't know the day, but you do. My hope is after today, you'll write this day down in your own life. 
when you heard God's voice. Because we all did, if we're saved. None of us are saved without hearing God's voice. Not a one of us. You can't be saved unless you hear God. It's only you didn't figure it out. You don't have the aptitude or capacity to hear God speak. When God talks to us, it's revelation. And it's a word we don't say much here, but it's revelation knowledge. It's uncovered. The truth is, all the information and evidence about God is clear to the whole planet. But the challenge is that truth needs to be revealed to us. Now, we live in a day which is still called post-modernity or post-modern days, which is the days after modernism. I'm not going to get too deep here in philosophical platitudes, but the point I'm trying to make is today we're in a day where there is a rejection of absolute truth. Because we live in an empirical world, a, a world that we sense with our senses, we interact with our senses, we say it's limited, and because of that, no one can say they know truth objectively. It's all your own opinion. That's the day we live in. So today, when you hear people say, well, you can do whatever you want to do, that's because there's no objective truth. If there's no objective truth, there's no objective morals, meaning you could do whatever you want. If no one could tell you objectively what's right and what's wrong, then you could do whatever you want. This is a byproduct of the times we live in. And those of you who are in school, those are books you're reading. Oh, I feel sorry for you all and for you. You're reading books now, but the problem is you all have been born in a fog. We all have, most of us, probably from the 60s on. And this fog, we don't understand, is not normal. We don't think the way we used to think as a culture. There used to be objective right and wrong. We don't have that anymore. So how can we, in a sense, say with confidence we know objectively what is right and wrong? We have to hear from God. So hearing God's voice is important, not just for your salvation, but so you understand how you need to interact in life. Today is the last day of the Daniel's fast. Congratulations for those of you who persevered. People are calling me and texting me, can I eat meat today, Pastor? Eat today. Have fun. Those of you who may have heard the Lord speak to you during this fast, it's been tough. We didn't obligate anybody to stay fast in 21 days. Some of us did, some of us didn't. Some of you all learned how to cook great meals without using meat. Good job. You knew that. I have personally lost 10 pounds. Oh. Anybody? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. My wife says that, but it's good to hear from somebody else. <laughs> some of you have lost weight. Some of you were clear-headed. Some of you couldn't give up coffee. Some of you couldn't give up sugar. Some of you couldn't give up steak. I know. It's okay. We'll do it again next year. At the beginning of every year, understand, church, we are going to enter a 21-day fast. The point is for you to refocus, reorient, so that you can hear God. And today's message is about that, how Peter heard from God. In Matthew chapter 16, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says this, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, I, have, I don't have coffee, so I get a pass there. Caesarea, some people would say, or Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? The son of man. So we were at the spot called Caesarea or Caesarea. We were not at Philippi, though. This spot is an interesting point. Uh, when we were in Israel, we were going down um, a mountain, and we saw the Sea of Galilee. And if you look past it, you see Mount Hebron. 
Now, for those of you who read the book of Enoch, you understand that mount represents the place where 200 angels came down on earth and started procreating with women. Now, I don't know if you, where your theology is, but if you turn to Genesis chapter 6, we can go on this forever and ever. We're not going there today. But we saw Mount Hebron. We saw that mount where the angels came down. And we're like, wow, that's awesome. That very same mountain is the place where Baal worship was. Baal, B-A-L, B-A-A-L. Also, the God of Pan is there. This is the spot Jesus takes his disciples to before they go back to Jerusalem. And Jesus has this conversation with the disciples, which is foundational for every single believer. Now, you're going to understand here, I'm going to show you stuff that churches throughout history have made doctrine about. But this is the one point I want to give you before you get to any of that. What he's going to say here, what he says here, is only for one person. Let me repeat that again. What Jesus says here is only for one person. I'll show you. Once again, he asked the disciples, all of them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he, being Jesus, said to them, but... Who do you say that I am? Now look who answers. Simon Peter. He's answering. And he says this. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. The son of the living God. Now listen to what Jesus says. This is actually the most important word of the scripture. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. That word blessed means congratulations. Good job, Simon. Yes, you got it. It's an estimation of his behavior. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now understand, at that point, Jesus has laid down one of the most important truths of all Scripture. Simon knew who Jesus' identity was, not because he intellectually assented to it, not because he figured it out, not because he put the pieces of the puzzle together. The only reason why we know and believe in Jesus Christ is because God the Father himself has communicated that truth to you. If you're here today, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, God has already talked to you. Go back to that day. When you got saved, or that day when you believed that Jesus Christ was who he says he was, that is when you heard God's voice. Because he let you know here, the only way you know that is God told you that. God revealed that to you. That's one way God speaks to us. Simon wasn't brilliant enough, smart enough, intelligent enough. He didn't have the aptitude or acumen to figure that information out. God revealed him that truth. And in that truth right there is primary for us all. If you're saved, you don't have to question if God speaks. He has already talked to you. Now, it may have been a whisper, but it's truth nonetheless. Now, I added more information on the text because I'm going to show you how this truth has been washed over throughout history. This is so important, we could put our flag there and say, this is the one we got to get in our hearts. When God speaks, it's revealing information to us. It's revealing truth to us. 
But here he goes on to say, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And that word means what? Rock. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, the reason why this is important is because of this one fact. I told you where they're at. They're, they're, they're looking at the, the Mount Hebron. They're looking at the place where Satan worship is taking place, where Baal worship is taking place, where the God of Pan is, is being worshipped at. That place is also called the Gate of Hell. This very spot. And at this spot, Jesus has taken his disciples. He's about to go to Jerusalem to be killed. And he's having this conversation with them at a strategic point. And he's pointing at this spot. And he says this, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Why is that important? Because in the Catholic faith, they believe that Peter is what? The rock. Peter's the rock. But that's not what the scripture is saying here. See, the English translation says the word Peter. But that word really is rock. It really should say this, and you are a rock, and on this Gibraltar, I will build my church. Some people believe when Jesus is talking, he points to Peter, saying, you are a rock, a pebble. But then he points to himself. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. The Catholic Church believes at this point, Peter himself is the rock, And on Peter, the church will be built. I'm not slamming the Catholic church. I'm just talking about straight text here. But this is this. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail. You have to get this in your heart. Are we as the church being attacked by Satan? Are we being attacked? And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Who's being attacked? Bill. It's not the church being attacked. We are attacking hell. We're on the attack. It says, and the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We are the ones on the offensive. We're never supposed to be in the defense of position as the church. We're the ones who's supposed to go out and we overcome the gates of hell. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus takes disciples to the gates of hell and says, these gates will not be, be able to prevail against my church. And he goes on to say, this is one of the most important scriptures again, 19. And I will give you, this word you is a, it's second person singular. He's speaking specifically to Peter once again. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now this word phrase here is lost in our culture, but this is actually a, a, a reference to translation and interpretation. He's talking to Peter about writing and interpreting Jesus' words. He's still talking to Peter alone. Most people have taken this scripture to mean what? You go to prayer service and you know what I'm about to do. I'm about to bind and loose. I'm about to bind the devil and we're about to loose the devil. I'm about to, and you're binding and loosing. With that scripture talking about how Peter is supposed to use interpretation regarding communicating Jesus' message. He's talking to Peter. 
He says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And verse 20, this is where the kicker is. Listen to what Jesus says. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. This is important. Why? Because most people try to take the verse previous and say, okay, this is us. And, and this is us. We're binding loosened, and we're overcoming the devil. But then here it says this, tell no one. We're supposed to tell people. So he's not talking to us. He's still talking to Peter. He's telling the disciples, don't tell anyone my identity. Why? Because he doesn't want to die before his time. So he's having a conversation that is contextually very static. He's talking to the disciples and Peter alone. But what can we pull out of this is this truth, which most people pass by. God speaks, and sometimes we don't even know he's talking. Peter had no idea that's God who told him what what was revealed to him. Jesus had to let him know that was God who revealed that truth to you. He thought, man, this is my voice. I figured this information out myself. That's God. You don't have to worry if God speaks. He's speaking to you. What you have to do is acknowledge and recognize when he's talking. I got a couple points that we're done for the day. First point, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, it is because God the Father has revealed it to you. That's the only way you get saved. God has told you something about himself. God has communicated something to you about Jesus. Yes, God is talking to you. You don't have to worry about it. The problem is you may not know his voice. Sometimes God sounds like me in my head. Sometimes he sounds like me. <laughs> like, that's hard to fathom. Why didn't he use a God voice? I'm pretty... <laughs> yes, Lord. Right? That's what we're hoping. But that's not how God's spirit communicates. He revealed information which Peter registered as, man, that's a great thought. <laughs> Yes, I got the information. I figured it out. You're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, good job. God revealed that to you. You didn't figure it out on your own. He's like, oh. God has talked to you. It's okay. God has communicated to you. And you heard him if you're saved. Next point, if you're saved, then God has spoken to you before. What do we need to do? Because God has communicated to us, because we're saved, we need to rejoice that God has shown us favor by initiating a relationship with us, by revealing Jesus' identity to us. We're only saved when we understand Jesus' identity. Remember, soon thereafter, Peter gets rebuked severely. He's called Satan because he basically tells Jesus, no, Jesus, you're not going to be killed. And Jesus tells him, I rebuke you, Satan, get away from me. You have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Peter's like, oh, that's harsh. (laughs) Right? You just call me the devil. Like, I mean, Jesus calls you the devil? I don't think I get over that one. I mean, I'd be hurt for a long time, right? I I mean, I've been rebuked before, but to be called the devil by Jesus Christ, I'd be like, oh, I don't think I get over it. 
But when you understand who Jesus is, Jesus wasn't the warrior king the first time. He was a lamb. And so many people in our own lives, we're hoping Jesus is what? We want him to be the warrior right now. We want Jesus to come and fix everything right now. We want Jesus to come as, and defeat all our enemies right now. And sometimes we miss the fact that we're to be like him, which is the lamb right now. Next point. God desires you and is continually working to win your heart. Even after you've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, he's still talking to you. This church, this life is about you and God. He loves you. It's real. There are real emotions on the line here. Sometimes people come to faith and they think this is something divorce of emotion, divorce of our brains. God is using every single romantic trick to win you to himself. He's giving you gifts. He's trying to woo your heart. He sent his son. He's sending other people to tell you, come to me. He's talking. Sometimes he uses guys like me. Sometimes he loses people like you. But ultimately, he used his son. God started the conversation. So show him the courtesy and engage in the conversation or the discussion. Uh, I wasn't a guy when I grew up who had, like, uh, pickup lines, being honest. I'm just being honest. I'm just, I'm just trying to reveal. Like, I don't have that. Hey, what time is it? Ooh, because I'm time to, I don't know. See, I, it stops. It's just stop right there. Like, I, I lost it, right? Like, I, don't, I didn't have any of that stuff. I was whack. I was whack. Do you know what God's pickup line is? It's the cross. That's his conversation starter. When you look at the cross, understand this. If God would give his son, if God would allow his son to be tortured for me, then how much love of it all. Yes, we're getting older. I got another gray hair after this trip. Our bags were gone eight days. We were washing our undergarments in the sink. We were. We had to battle for languages and smells. Our tour guide was a slave master. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's poor. We have, we're in a monsoon. And he's like, please, this way, this way. My sister and him got in an argument. They're fussing because they're like, it is, you're going to keep us walking in this rain? And she had it. She went at him. I was like, ooh, that's my sister. I feel sorry for the man. I was like, she's American. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Way back. Waking up the morning, we're going to leave. I start passing a kidney stone as we're going to the airplane. I'm like, was this worth it? Yes. It was all worth it. I'd do it again. Even if a man, I'd go through the kidney stone again. Because even though I was passing his kidney stone, Greg's dad, who was there, they almost didn't make it on the trip, too. Like, we almost didn't make the trip. I could tell you the miracles. We didn't even talk about any of the things that God did at all. 
But his dad happens to be a doctor. And we happened to go to a pharmacy and he gave me some medicine to help me kind of pass the stuff. And my brain was automatically registering, thank you, Lord. Because if not for that doctor, that would have been a, like I told Haley earlier, I would still be on that flight right now. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to pass that kidney stone with a Tylenol. I see the benefit. I'd be profiled. I'd use it all. I was using it. I was doing regular tour. I was getting it done. I was like, oh, I just want to pass out. I couldn't go to sleep. Was the trip worth it? Yes. Because I saw where Jesus was. He was over there. I'm like, he was over there. He was up there. Oh, it's worth it. He's worth it. This is just the beginning. What am I trying to do? Believe. Hope. The problem you're facing may not go away today or tomorrow. Maybe 12 years. But you know what? Eventually it'll go away. You have to keep trusting in Him. Don't give up before you cross the finish line. Give Him a chance. He gave His very best. You think He's going to stop there? We're just not getting in and it's over. We're getting in and then we are blossoming. It's worth it. It's all worth it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are the express communication, the final word from God. Thank you, Father, for talking to us, Lord. We don't always recognize when you speak. We're sorry, Lord. We ask you to make your words more clear to us. Help us hear you more. And help us respond. Help us just not hear you and just get apathetic, Lord. Help us care about what you say. Help us respond in a way that pleases you. Help us, Father God, be responsive to your touch, to your expression, to your gaze. Help us love to hold your hand and sit in your presence. Help us be like Joshua, Lord, who just loved to sit in your presence. Help us, Father God, be changed. Help us not stay the same. Help our desire for you grow and grow. Help our heart for you expand. Help us, Lord God, be better fathers, better wives, better husbands, better mothers, better brothers, better sisters, Lord. Help us be better people, Lord God. Heal our families, heal our homes, heal our communities. Lord God, fix our country. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. All-consuming fire
You're our heart's desire. Live.